Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You know, we can beat up on Jonah, but I, I find myself where I'm, I'm much like him. Uh, I, there's, there's moments, and, and praise God, they're not a whole lot, but there are moments or seasons in my life where I, I just sit and I sulk. And it's like, James, just, you know what? There's, yeah, there's other options, but the first and primary option for any of us believers, if we find ourselves sitting and sulking like Jonah on the hillside there, repentance has to be the first one. Are you a worrier? Do you find yourself in seasons of worry about your finances or your health? You name it, you worry about it. And you worry because you don't know how to solve the problem. Well, Pastor James shares that when it comes to our sin, there's no need to worry. The solution is repentance. Sin is always going to be a part of life while we're in this world. But when we do sin, don't worry. God is ready, willing, and able to forgive us and get us back on track through His grace and mercy. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Jonah chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. all repenting even the animals are repenting if that's possible they may not know what's going on but they're getting the burlap too okay the people are like hey we're covering everybody with this stuff we're covering everybody why because they took god at his word they took him at his word verse 10 when god saw what they had done and how they'd put a stop to their evil ways he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened and that's that he was going to destroy them but then he pushed pause on it for 150 years. And then, like I said, then another generation came up and they forgot about God. And God pushed the unpause button. And that's something that we, we should be mindful of within our own nation as well. If we want to forget about him. Okay. I don't know if there's any prophecies against America and destruction or anything like that, but I do know that there's, there's a word for, for nations that turn their back on God. Maybe the, the pause button is being released, so to speak. I pray that's not true for us as a nation. I pray that we could respond like the Ninevites with repentance. Time will tell. Time will tell. Chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, or it, it angered Jonah. It, it caused him to become hot technically what that's saying, right? Uh, that word, that this is like a little cool little play on words, because um, towards the end of this chapter, he's going to become physically hot because of a east wind, um, but he is emotionally hot, right? He is, he's angry. So it greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. In fact, you're going to see, uh, depending on your translation, you're going to see about four times in chapter four where Jonah is said to be angry. He seems to be an angry prophet. There is no joy in his ministry, no joy in his serving of God. Um, he, he served God probably just like much of us do, if we're honest. It's out of fear, right? If I don't do this, and he's going to get me, right? So it's, uh, sometimes we, we, we serve out of fear, and your, your service to the Lord should never be out of fear. There should be a reverence towards God, a healthy 
respectful, that kind of fear. But you should not serve out of fear. If I don't do this, then he'll be mad at me or he's going to get me or, or any of that stuff. Um, my heart, your heart in ministry should be that of joy. should be just that of joy. Do it for the joy, right? It's like giving. We don't give, uh, you know, out of a, a complaining hearts and all that stuff. No, a cheerful. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. You could probably be safe to say that the Lord loves a cheerful servant, right? Somebody who actually likes to do what his will is and what his plan is for them, okay? So verse 2, it says, he complained. He complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord, right? So here's Jonah having this little combo with God, okay? And he says, I, I told you this was going to happen. I told you this was going to happen. Okay, number one, you don't tell God anything, okay, about what is going to happen. He already knows what's going to happen. So Jonah's just, he's venting. He's venting. He's mad. He, he, he didn't want to see this happen. He knew it was going to happen, and through drudgery and a fish, uh, he showed up and he, he did what God told him to do, but Again, there's an absence of joy within his service here. He says, that's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get anger, or slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Right? So here's Jonah's accusations, or, you know, describing the characteristics of God and why he ran away. Uh, You told me to go. And because I know who you are, characteristic-wise, I ran away. Because I know you're a loving God. You're a forgiving God. You're a merciful God. You're a loving God. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, you're a compassionate God. These are the things that Jonah knew about God. The sad reality was that those attributes or characteristics of God never translated into the heart and the life of Jonah, at least as far as we know. I don't know what Jonah chapter 5, quote-unquote, looks like. But I know that Jonah is describing a God who looks completely different than Jonah does in, in character. And, and that shouldn't be true of you and I, right? We, we can't describe our God to unbelievers, and our lives don't match his characteristics, so to speak. And I'm not talking about doing it right or perfect and, and all that nonsense. I'm talking about... God is love, well, we should be loving as well. If God is compassionate, we should be compassionate as well. If God is long-suffering, we should be long-suffering as well. In fact, you can go through Galatians chapter 5 and see that there is a whole list of the fruits, singular, of the Spirit that should be evident within our lives. Why? Because they are evident in God's life, right? So here's Jonah saying, you're like this, and I ran away because you're like this. I ran away to Tarshish. He says, you are, uh, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Right? So here's Jonah. Jonah's got his own plans. He knows, like, God's going to rescue these people. He's going to save them. He's going to relent. He's not going to destroy them. Jonah has other plans. He's thinking, I'm going to camp out on this hillside, and I'm going to watch because they're this Pagan, Gentile repentance surely isn't real, right? Like they came forward, so to speak, and Jonah's sitting in the pew, and Jonah's like, that'll never stick, 
right? So he's like, I'm just going to camp out here. I'm going to watch the fire from heaven rain down on this place. And it's not happening. And Jonah's just getting, with each moment that's passing, Jonah's just getting angry and angrier and angrier. And he's just mad. What I do respect about Jonah is this. He did, he did turn to the Lord, right? He's having this conversation with God. And I, I, think that's a, that's, I think that's good, okay? And let me say it like this. I, I think so often you and I, um, the Lord calls us to do something, and it may not be what we want to do, uh, but it's what he's asked us to do. And, uh, and our tendency is to internalize that um, and let that fester and, and let that bitterness, uh, like a root of bitterness, take hold of our hearts. And, and we, we would be more prone to even go and talk to other people about this. And almost in the complaining uh, about the Lord to other people, right? Um, if the Lord's asked you to do something and you don't quite agree with it, um, number one, you should still do it because he's God. Uh, and number two, any complaints or disagreements you may have with him, by all means, voice those to a very real and personable God out of respect and out of that proper fear, though, okay? So I, I do credit Jonah because, I mean, he's sitting there, he's having this little combo with God. And he's not just sitting there. He is sitting there stewing, but he, at least he's getting it out. <laughs> at least he's getting it out. So he's like, I'd rather be dead. It's an extreme. His emotions are running away with him. It's an extreme. I, I'd rather be dead. I'd, I'd rather die than watch these people repent. And he's watching this massive revival take place in Nineveh, which would last over a hundred and some odd years, okay? So he's just sitting there, and he's just watching, and he's sulking, and he's not there. He's not part of the celebration. Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 32, uh, talk about the prodigal son and how he had ran away from the father and then had come home and uh, you know, and his father embraced him and threw a celebration for him. And his older brother, who had never ran away, refused to come into the party and just kind of sat and sulked out there, right? And that's, that's kind of what you have here with, uh, with a Jonah, right? He's just sitting and he's sulking, all right? You know, Jonah, get in there. Um, evangelism is part of the deal, but discipleship is the the, the much bigger part to a certain extent. Saving souls is massively important. Don't hear me, don't, don't hear me wrong at all. But there has to be the follow-up, right? So that's the problem I think often, often within the church today is, you know, we want to share the gospel. Beautiful. That's amazing. But it, then we just leave new converts on their own to, to fend for themselves. And, and that's like a, uh, you know, out in the wild, if, you know, you have our you know, a, a new animal is born, the herd should be there to surround and protect that new life and instruct it on, in, instruct it on how to live and how to survive. And the herd kind of protects the newborn from the attack of, uh, let's say it's sheep and wolves. They're going to protect it from these outer threats. Like that's discipleship. That's discipleship. That's that process that we're talking about here. New life, new birth is absolutely important and, and this key. And my goodness, without it, none of us would even be here. Um, but I think just as, just as important is the whole discipleship process. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Jonah, quit sitting on the hill, sulking. Get into Nineveh. Go back into Nineveh 
and mentor, disciple these people who are repenting. I mean, I wonder how many more years they would have had beyond, I think it's 120-ish, somewhere around there. I wonder how much how many more years it would have added to that if Jonah would have just gotten in there and discipled them. Now, I will say this, because I don't know how the rest of Jonah goes. I don't know if he ever went into the city and, uh, and mentored them or anything like that. I have no idea. That's speculation. Um, uh, you know, he possibly could have, or he could have just turned around and, and went back to, to Israel. Um, I, I don't know. But the temperature of the chapter, so to speak, uh, leads us to believe that. I mean, he just sat there. He wasn't, he wasn't really doing anything. Now, we know he didn't, he didn't sit there forever, but, but at least in this moment, he's missing it. He's missing it. Verse 4, though, the Lord replies to Jonah. So they're having a, a back and forth conversation here. The Lord replies to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? <laughs> right? So, Jonah, do you have a right to be upset about, what, some 600,000 people and animals repenting? Like, can you really be mad about that? Do you do well to be angry is what uh, ESV is how that translates that. Jonah, what are you doing? Do you, do you have the right to be angry? I mean, is, is your anger doing you any good? Is your, your animosity towards these other people who, yes, have been your enemies in the past, but presently they're not? Presently, they're on the same side. So, Jonah, is your anger towards me, towards them, is it doing you any good? The answer to that rhetorical question is no, it's not doing them any good. It's not doing them any good. And any anger or animosity that you and I harbor within our hearts towards other people, it is not doing you any good at all. In fact, that's, it's sin. It's sin that you holding on to this like bitterness and this anger or hostility towards other people. And I'm not talking about this thing of like somebody's wronged you and, and there's this like, or there's this just, you know, this righteous indignation type stuff or, or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not going into those realms. What I'm talking about here is what we're talking about within this chapter. Jonah disliked the Ninevites so much that even in the midst of their repenting, he is praying for fire to fall from heaven and to kill these people. Like, that's, that's not okay. That's not all right. Jonah, get in the city. Right? You could call this whole chapter, Jonah, get in the city. Verse 5 then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter. Here's, you know, here's your whole setup as maybe, you know, the first four verses are him kind of transitioning out of the city and to the hillside. But chapter five gives us our setting as far as where, where the rest of this chapter will go. He sets up on the east side of the city, makes a shelter to sit under. Like this is commitment. Commitment to see their destruction, right? So he, he's, he's transitioning from one place to another, the east side, where he can probably overlook the city, and he has to physically set up a structure to give him some shade, but just so he can have like front row seats, so to speak, at the Ninevites' destruction. 
you see the effort that's going into this thing. Like Jonah, either just get in the city or go home. Like, I mean, one or the other, right? Be hot or be cold. Like, what are, what are you doing? What, what's going on right now? Verse 6. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And as soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort. And Jonah was, what? Very grateful. Okay. So he was very grateful, or here's the Lord who has appointed this plant, right? I love this word, this, this whole word, uh, appointed, is all throughout the book of Jonah, as we talked about in the first three chapters there. But he's appointed this plant to come up, that it may be a shade over his head, this is from ESV, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. He was exceedingly joyful because of the plant. That number one, uh, well, let's let's talk about jo- uh, Jonah's um, construction skills. Not that great, right? Like, if you just look at that, it says he built a shelter. Okay, it says in, back in chapter five, uh, he he made a booth. Okay, for himself to sit there, and he sat under it in the shade. Okay, so whatever construct he he had put together, it wasn't adequate. And it wasn't near, it, it certainly wasn't as good as what the Lord would have for him. Okay, so, so he built his own structure and his own works are not sufficient, sufficient enough to bring him joy and satisfaction. Your own works, my own works are not sufficient enough to bring us true joy and satisfaction. It takes the Lord to supply the plant, to provide the shade, and Jonah is now satisfied, right? So you got Jonah sitting and sulking, but now he's got a smile on his face, kind of, because he's got a plant, he's got shade, but he's still just waiting and he's watching. Verse 7, but God also, what, appointed or arranged, I like the word appointed better, for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, there's that word again, right? Jonah was hot at the beginning, chapter 4. He was angry. Now the sun is hot. So as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. So he's being cooked by the sun. Then he's got this hot, dry wind. That's just, he's in an oven, essentially, is what it's like. The sun beat down on his head till he grew faint and wished to die. Jonah two options. Go back into the city or go home. Nobody said you had to sit here. Nobody said you had to sit there and sulk, right? And maybe this is a good word for us, for some of us who are holding on to bitterness. Nobody said you had to sit there and sulk, right? You have other options, okay? You have other options. Go into the city or go home. Like, that's it. When the the biggest thing, though, and I hope that we understand this, is God's, like, working on Jonah. So, yeah, Jonah could have gone back in the city. That would have been a great, great idea for him to do that. He could have gone home. However, in his sulking, the Lord is teaching him, okay? So, again, for us, for you, myself, if I'm, if I'm just sitting and sulking, um, yeah, you got options. Go into Nineveh or go back to Israel. Uh, or maybe the third option, the best option, is repent. It's just to repent, right? Repent of that thing. Let it go. Just let it go. 
So he wishes he was dying. He wished, he'd, he, he wished to die. The rest of that verse says, uh, death is certainly better than living like this, he, ex- he exclaimed. Nobody said you had to live like this, okay? <laughs> There's your takeaway from that one little verse, Jonah. Nobody said you had to live like this, all right? So Jonah, go, go into Nineveh. To repent. You need to repent. You need to follow the example of the Ninevites. Go into the city, follow their example, and you repent, right? Uh, that's fun. I, you know what? We can beat up on Jonah, but I, I find myself where I'm, I'm much like him. Uh, I, there's, there's moments, and, and praise God, they're not a whole lot, but there are moments or seasons in my life where I, I just sit and I sulk. And it's like, James, just, you know what? There's, yeah, there's other options, but the first and primary option for any of us believers, if we find ourselves sitting and sulking like Jonah on the hillside there, repentance has to be the first one, okay? Yeah, go, repent, then go to the city, or repent, then go home, like, but repent first and foremost, right? That's what, that's what we need to be doing. So he's just like, he's down, he's rock bottom. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right? Okay, here is another question for Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Jonah, is it right for you to, is it, uh, do you do well to be angry about the plant? Jonah, are, are, you, are you benefiting from being mad about the plant, which you didn't cause to grow, number one. Got to break that down for him in a second, too. But Jonah says, yes, even angry enough to die. <laughs> yes, even angry enough to die. Yes, I do well to be angry, is what the ESV says. Okay, now here's your heart-to-heart moment with Jonah, okay? Uh, God's asked him a couple of questions. Jonah's vented his feelings to God. God's asked him a couple of questions. And now God gets right to the heart of the, I mean, just this is a, a heart-to-heart. This is that moment in your prayer life when God has that heart-to-heart with you where it's like you get to stop talking and now you're going to listen. Okay, so it says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry, right? Shouldn't I feel sorry or have pity for such a great city. So here's, here's God saying, uh, you, you, know, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, you did not make grow, which came into, or came into beginning in night. Should I not pity Nineveh, Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? Here's really, the I like this translation better, um, who don't know their right hand from their left hand, right? Children, small little ones. He calls them people, though. It doesn't matter what age they are. Okay? If they can't distinguish from the right or the left, fresh out of the womb, they're still a person. And that's what God says in his word. They're people. Okay? And also much cattle. And the book of Jonah ends with a question. And I think it's meant to end with a question because that's a question for you and I to answer. I don't know what your Nineveh is. I don't know who your Ninevites are. I don't know if you're serving the Lord with joy or if you're serving the Lord out of duty. It's not delight. Out of fear. Is God right and is he just in what he does? The answer to that is yes. 
So we need to obey him. We need to obey him. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Don't let the word minor fool you. Normally, its definition is widely known as not important, but that's not the case here. Many men from days of old spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus and his power to bring wayward souls back to him. Despite all of their poor choices, Jesus used different prophets to speak the saving truth of his righteousness into their lives. If you liked what you heard today, you have an opportunity to share it with others by making a donation to this ministry at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Donation tab. Feel free to explore other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, or you simply want to connect and pray with somebody, we'd love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you have two options available to you, Sundays at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. If you can't get there, we invite you to use our Facebook live stream. We'd love to connect with you because there's hope and healing in Jesus. Our time is up for today's edition, but we'd encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about these prophets that had major messages from God. Join us for more wisdom that comes from the Word of God right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.